Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line today by one of my newest colleagues, Miss Michelle Martinelli. Michelle, how are you? I'm good, Ted. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. I gotta say, you've been killing it. I think so. You joined For the Win when? Like five months ago now? Four months ago? Five months? Okay. No, uh, February. February. <laughs> I I have no concept of time. So like two months. I, oh man. Uh, well, it feels like you've put out like five months worth of content in two months. Is that fair? Um, so, you know, kudos to you. I've been like everybody, everybody adjusts, obviously, and everybody we work with is dope. But I don't remember anyone, and I've worked here since launch. I'm like the only person left. But I don't remember <laughs> anyone coming in and hitting the ground running as quickly as you did. So that's cool. Awesome. Well, I, I'm glad to maybe set that bar, but <laughs> um, it's been it's been really fun. It's a good uh, it's a great place to work, and I agree. All of our coworkers are absolutely awesome. And we've never actually met in real life. No, right? that's I, true. I don't think. We yeah, have. I, I, we've we've spoken in like video conference calls, but not actually. You're, I believe, the only the only for the win coworker. So that would, then I could actually, that would be a better way of dating it. Um, <laughs> would be that I, the last time I was there was I believe in January. And so you weren't there. Oh weren't yeah. There. You would have, I would have just missed you then. Cause um, you didn't come down for the Super Bowl. No, I did not come down for the Super Bowl. I had been there. So, so I'm surprised I missed you that. Did I not see you that week? Cause I was there earlier that week, but maybe just, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's possible we missed each other by maybe a day yeah, because I, I, I started the week of the Super Bowl. Okay, because I was there like the well, this is this is terribly compelling podcast. <laughs> um, trying to figure out where we were on and on one week in early February, but I believe I was there Monday. You probably started in the middle of the week, uh, so whatever. So we haven't we haven't been real life. We have spoken on the phone before, spoken on the comments calls, and I'm very excited to have you on the podcast, uh, Michelle. Early in the week, we tend to go through. Uh, some things, sort of general things we like to talk about. I try to frame them in a positive way, but we, we don't have to stick to that. I, I like to say like things I like, but it could be things I like to hate from the week that was or the week that's coming up. Uh, it's a very loose format, and you don't need to feel any sort of, like, I, I don't want you, you know, the first time on the show, I don't want you thinking like there's some sort of rigid thing we're doing here. All very chill. I'm all about that. All right, sweet. So um, I, we, we usually go with, we each name three things. Uh, since I like to give the guests the last word, I'll usually go first. And I'm going to start with a topic that I don't really think should be such a hot-button issue, but at the same time, I feel like really underrated in the world of berries. And that's the blackberry, <laughs> which is in season right now, I suppose, because I feel like, I feel like with strawberries and blueberries... Uh, a lot of times they're at the supermarket when they're not in season, whereas you never see blackberries unless it's like the best time to be buying blackberries. So I assume that that is right now, uh, or at least, you know, wherever my supermarket gets its blackberries from, that's right now. We're getting blackberries on sale. They're delicious. And I want to know, uh, and this has been bothering me for a couple days now because I'm enjoying the blackberries so much. I can't figure out why we don't have more blackberry stuff. Well, where do you go grocery shopping? I feel like I buy blackberries throughout the year. I put them in really? smoothies. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe my grocery store is like, oh, are you buying frozen blackberries? No. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm j I've just been blind to them and I'm on a blackberry kick right now. 
But I feel like they're not. There's like the standard berry section of my supermarket, and blackberries sure. only come and go. And then at the same time, right? Like there's strawberry flavored everything. There's blueberry flavored everything. Why isn't blackberry ice cream a thing? Why isn't blackberry pie a thing? Right? I feel Ooh, like that sounds good. Blackberry candy, right? Like why is why is there not a blackberry gummy bear? I want that. I think it's it's got a very distinct flavor among the berries. I think maybe I might rate it atop my berry ranking, and yet I feel like the blackberry is getting no credit, uh, at least on a on a worldwide scale. Well, and actually, I'm pretty sure that among the the other berries, blackberries are up there as one of the most healthy low in sugar antioxidant filled options are they low in sugar that i i I believe that because like blueberries are super sweet but i also feel like when i'm eating blackberries it's like feeling better about myself for eating candy right no it's i yeah i I don't think it's overwhelming i mean i'm not gonna be that person that says oh don't eat fruit because there's sugar in it like that's not what people are talking about when they say sugar is bad for you they're not talking about sugar and fruit but yeah, blackberries are really healthy for you. It's sort of how I ended up putting, mixing blackberries and raspberries into in, a smoothie, and it's awesome. So are you? A, this, this is a good topic for me because we have uh, my wife and I drink smoothies like more or less every day. Usually, like probably three or four times during the week. Uh, the one exception being when I got too lazy to clean out the blender. But what is that a daily thing for you? Or are you like a daily smoothie drinker? So it really actually depends on my method of transportation to work. Okay. That is the determining factor right, in whether or not. So, so do you take, do you take the, the metro to work sometimes? I usually take the metro to work, yeah. And you can't eat anything on the metro. Um, you can't. So, yes, technically you can't. Um, They don't usually give you a problem with things with lids on them. I have one of those ninja blenders Mm -hmm. and they come with um, single serve options with lids on them. So usually that's not the issue. It's more of the fact that my hands are full and I don't want to risk spilling a smoothie on me on my way to work. Um, But, yeah, if given the option, I would absolutely make a smoothie every day. There's this uh, vegan protein giant in bulk that I get at Costco, and it doesn't have that powderiness that you get in yeah, smoothies. Yeah, so I love it. Really chalky. Yeah, I'm not into that, and this is awesome. I can't um, remember what it's called. Found, this is a hot smoothie tip for you, because uh, I, I I don't like mixing. Like I'm a fruit smoothie guy all the way. I'll use like we'll use some frozen fruit and some yogurt or kefir or something and some water. And that's basically it, and, you know, and like I, we don't add a lot of stuff to it, but I have found that you can add a whole lot of baby spinach to the smoothie without affecting the taste at all. So if you just like need to get vegetables into you for whatever reason, which I do because I would otherwise never really eat vegetables, <laughs> uh, baby spinach, it turns out, is a really good way to go. Yeah, actually, I have found that, that if I usually throw in a bunch of fruit, probably a banana and some almond milk. But yeah, if you take a handful of spinach, it's absolutely, you cannot taste a thing. Um, I haven't tried other types of leafy vegetables. I'm not a huge fan of kale. So no, I feel like that's away no from. 
it's no good, and then it turns it brown. Like, no matter what, like, if you <laughs> let the smoothie sit there for, like, 20 minutes after you've made it with kale, it goes brown, and it's gross, and I don't want to drink it anymore. Yeah, I'm not into that. So, no, but you're absolutely right. Spinach is awesome, and you find, can't taste it. I just also, I want to get to your first thing, but I want to just also note that I find few things more entertaining than the disparity between what people will do on the DC Metro versus what people will do and eat on the New York City subway because like you're saying Oh, it's like, night and day. Oh, I don't wanna I don't really wanna bring food on the metro. Whereas like for me it's like I need someplace to eat. I'll get on the subway. <laughs> no, you know, that's actually one of the amazing things. And I remember even a couple of years ago the Metro had an ad on the Metro talking about keep our metro clean and it was actually poking fun at what I assume was New York without mentioning it that it had a giant picture of a rat and was like, our subway stations don't have giant rodents like other nameless cities do. Please keep it clean and don't eat on it. And generally speaking, people actually do follow those rules, I would say, 85% of the time. Yeah, it's amazing the extent to me, to me the, which, the extent to which people do follow those rules because I feel like that's probably sort of the rule in New York. Like somewhere there's a rule like don't eat like, a full three-course meal on the subway and like there'll be just some guy with like his fancy silverware out eating over the subway seat or whatever i i, I don't know i think uh maybe dc residents more more law-abiding in general does that sound right um i you know that's a good question i think it might actually maybe that that ad campaign really worked in pointing out that I think I've seen a bird once or two down there, but we generally don't have animals down there. Yeah, it's raccoons or rats, and people like that. It, it's super clean. It always feels like I'm going into the future when I like, like, or you're at Disney World or something. I know, like, the metro doesn't run enough and it's overcrowded at rush hours. There's lots of issues with it, but when you actually go into the station, it's like a very pleasant experience. And we got new subways here. I talk about. I feel like they come up every week on the podcast. Those are still really nice, but the rest of the subway stations, you're not in there for, like, the ambiance. But give me your first good thing of the week, or your first bad thing of the week, your first thing you want to talk about. Um, so, actually, so on a sports-related topic, um, I feel like this is, I had this complaint recently, right after the NHL playoffs started, but after last night, I definitely have this complaint. Uh, all the overtime. Yesterday, all four of the games played went into overtime and that to me is just shocking first of all because it's random right like what are the chances right right and really if you're you know i'm in dc so if you're looking at the caps and the leafs well this is the third game and third time in three games they've gone into overtime so that's not the shocker but the fact that the three other games played last night also all went into overtime um it's interesting. I, I like overtime. I like it in the regular season. I generally like it in the playoffs. But when you sit here and look at the high stakes of the playoffs then and the fact that, you know, going into last night's game, the Caps and the Leafs had played almost three hockey games in two hockey games because of all the overtime. And that, to me, when the overtime starts to build up um, through different series – you get tired teams and and I don't think there's anything wrong with, I think the parody is awesome. The fact that these teams are perhaps all so even that they're going to go into overtime. That's fantastic. But 
I think ultimately if this sort of continues and this abundance of overtime continues, you're going to end up with a bunch of tired hockey teams and that's not going to make for a good second round or Eastern or Western Conference finals round because these guys are going to be exhausted if not only are they playing overtime, but what if some of these series go into five, six, seven games? Yeah, if that Capitals Maple Leaf series goes seven, those guys are going to be toast, right? They just got to figure you're toast by the time you get to the next round. If you're playing, yeah, if you're playing seven, no, not just going seven, but that half of your games, maybe most of your games, will wind up being in overtime. That seems like too much hockey, but do you think, does, does that mean what? Like go to shootout sooner? See, in hockey, they don't go to shootouts. Right, in the playoffs, they don't go to the shootouts. Right. I, I was like eight years old once and was at a hockey game. It went into 1.30 in the morning, triple overtime, at the end of triple overtime. And so it was just like, they just, it'll just keep going. There, to the best of my knowledge, there is no end. There is no shootout. So, um, so should there be a postseason shootout? You know, that's an interesting question. I'm inclined to say no. I don't really like the shootouts. I do wish that they would um, play four on four in overtime in the playoffs. Um, I think one less person on each team (laughs) makes it a little bit more interesting. It makes the ice a little bit more open. I think it adds, it highlights the talent of the players already on the ice because they have to do more. And yeah, and playing shorthanded or playing with four guys is part of the hockey set of things you need to do, right? Whereas I feel like the shootout, it's so uh, like obviously there are breakaways, right? But there's never in like organic the the hockey contest. There's never like really the shootout is like a different thing that they've just sort of tacked on to the to the back end. It's not like part of the game it's like hey let's just make this this contest this like other related thing and, and have it decide games so i find that weird as a way i i'm cool with that not being like a, and and i'm not a hockey fan so like i'm not passionate about this one way or the other but uh i think that if you were to decide postseason series by shootouts that's a little bit far out for me like it's too it's too much not just like what the skills of hockey are Right. No, that's very true. And and then I think, um, you know, especially in overtime, whoever the losing team is, I, I feel like fans are inclined to blame the goalie regardless. Like, oh, he should have stopped that. And um, recently, uh, hockey fans in D.C. have been hating on Caps goalie, Braden Holpe. And they're just like, he needs to go, blah, 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 all these things. And it's like, he's actually possibly the best goalie in the league right now and has been consistently at the top for years. So I don't know what they're complaining about. Um, but, you you know, your inclination is to blame the goalie when you lose an right. overtime. Because, and, and I feel like that's enhanced monumentally in shootouts because it is very much one-on-one. But, you know, it's not the goalie's fault if he's standing on his head diving to make a crazy save that did work. But then your guy, your defensemen aren't around to to make the second stop. So, you know, your opposing team gets the rebound and they dump it in real quick. That's not on the goalie when he's lying on the ice like a snow angel (laughs) making crazy stops. 
And but he's all alone because your defensemen are tied up behind the net in the trapezoid or something like that. So what about this? I, what about this as a solution? What if for the first overtime it was four on four, and the second overtime three on three, and the third overtime two on two, and then if you get to the fourth overtime, it's just one on one hockey. Like there's no goalies. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, I guess it would have to be to the fifth overtime. You know, I'm saying two on two with goalie, then it's like then it's one on one with goalie, and then it's just one on one, no goalie. And then if you can't score, then then it just goes on forever. Those two guys just stay on the ice until someone puts the ball in in the in the goal. Yeah, that's fucking the goal. So. That's a little bit of an extreme, <laughs> but I but am interested is, in the weird. idea yeah. of knocking off players as you get deeper into. Um, we're not having like, a passionate tie to hockey tradition. I think benefits me because I feel like if hockey, <laughs> fans, hockey fans would lose their minds. They'd be like, "One on one, hockey, seriously, one yeah. on one hockey? No, we're not going to do that." But I would think it was an awesome experiment. Well, but I think also it's very unlikely that it's going to get to that point. Mm-hmm. The the more you right, someone's going to score the, in the two on two phase. Right, and really, the the fewer players you have on the ice, the more likely it is that someone will score. And so, you know, you get down to four on four, it keeps it interesting. Even three on three keeps it interesting. I think it'd be, it's an interesting theory because I think it would pretty much almost never happen that you would get out of that double overtime three on three scenario you have there without someone scoring. And then it would be so cool if it got two on two. <laughs> right? Then it's like NBA jam, but hockey. Uh, you you should give the league a call. Yeah, I will. I will let make a know. suggestion. Um, I don't even know who the commissioner of hockey is right now. Gary know. Batman. Oh, it's still Gary Batman. Okay, cool. He's been the commissioner. Uh, unless I'm wildly no, misinformed, I think, you're, I I think feel like so. you're right. But I, because I was gonna say Gary Batman, but I was like, he can't possibly still be the commissioner, can he? But I think, yeah, I think you're right. He I, somehow has not been uh, removed from that. Uh, I mean, position. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't. I can't say whether he's done a good job. He has been the commissioner since 1993. Right? Yeah, that's a long. That's a. He's been the commissioner for 24 years. That seems yeah. like a long time. And he's made some a lot of people unhappy over those years, and so that's actually quite surprising. I knew it was a while, but that 93 surprises yeah, me. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a long time. Good for him. Uh, for job <laughs> security. Uh, I want to move on. I want to get on. So my next thing, and this might be, this is probably for right now. It's like a baseball nerds only story. Eh, no, maybe it's about to start to transcend. So the current major league leader in home runs uh, is a guy by the name of Eric Thames. Uh, it's spelled the same way as the river in in England, but it's pronounced correctly Thames, and that's that's led to some confusion, but. Uh, he is a player, he's a he's a first baseman of the Milwaukee Brewers who spent his last three years playing in Korea and uh, tore, just destroyed the ball in Korea. He earned himself the nickname God in Korea because he was <laughs> so good there. This was a guy who had been, he had come through the American minors. He made the major leagues with the Blue Jays, I think, in the, like around 2010-2011. Uh, did not per- play particularly well. He was just okay. Uh, sort of like a fringe major leaguer, and, and guys sort of get this this label where they say like, okay, this is a, a quadruple A guy, which means they're like they're good enough to play in the high <laughs> minors and not quite good enough to play in the majors. And for those guys, and and I've I've it's they've been an object of my fascination for my entire professional career. Is these guys who are like 
just sort of on the cusp, but never quite get there. And for those guys, going overseas often is uh, financially by far the best option, right? Instead sure. of making instead of making seventy five grand a year playing as a as a minor league free agent in AAA, uh, not to mention you know how much less you're making in your first contract. But you know, as a minor league free agent, maybe you make seventy to ninety grand a year. Uh, as a AAA guy, you go over to Korea, he's going to make, and Eric Thames did made seven hundred to eight hundred thousand a year, and was the biggest star in that country. Uh, and our Bob Nightingale at USA Today Sports has a great a great story today on Thames's backstory and and how he came back here and how he performed there. Uh, but I just I just always love that idea of like this baseball journey and that guys can figure it out sort of later in life and not through the traditional trajectory because I think it gives hope for every 25 year old guy who's sort of like struggling along the fringes there uh, and also uh, Eric Thames is apparently and and I've only read this via the Brewers media guide but apparently a fan of ancient wars which is something I hope to find and find him and follow up with him on perhaps on this podcast uh when the brewers come to new york in, in may <laughs> ancient wars like i don't even know like is he like into like the the trojan war and like the peloponnesian wars like i don't know how ancient right. um like mongol conquests i don't know i want to find out though yeah that's very interesting um and, and sort of surprising but but and, and what you were saying about um you like these types of stories. I think these are the untold stories. Like these are the guys that you don't focus on these fringe players so much. The guys that might get called up every once in a while, but generally spend their careers playing minor league ball. Yeah. I mean, so what happened to me was um, I, I used to cover the Mets exclusively. And in 2008, the Mets just had a terrible bench and they had a guy in AAA named Valentino Pascucci which I thought was an awesome name. And that is an awesome name. Hitting, like, and I looked at this guy's stats, and I was like, every year this guy hits 30 to 40 home runs in, in AAAs. Why aren't they calling this guy up? And so I just, because I'm, I'm obsessive, I made it like a whole campaign. And I started writing about this guy like once a week, just like, hey, here's why the Mets should call this guy up today. Call this guy up. And they, mm-hmm. they, they never called him up that year, and I, I will go to my grave insisting they wound up missing the playoffs by one game. And so I'll... I'll always say that they should have just called him up. They had a terrible bench. Uh, but in the process, I got to know the guy a little bit. And he's a super nice guy. Now he's a hitting coach in the Mets system. And, and it was basically like, you know, and I was always kind of like, don't you think this is unfair? Like, don't you think it's, or, or doesn't this make you crazy when you look at the major league team and they're so bad and you're hitting 40 home runs in AAA and they're not calling you up? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's really fun to hit home runs. It's just like, all right, yeah, that's a, <laughs> a really good point man like that's that's kind of cool right and at the end of the day you know i i feel like whatever sport it may be if you are for over a long period of time pursuing it in the minor leagues or that equivalent your love of the game is what's the overriding drive in that like you just you you love baseball you don't want to stop so I feel like along those lines, well, obviously you love hitting home runs, right? Right. I think, I think for a lot of guys, it's like, well, you know, I, I might as well just play until they don't let me play anymore. Right. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have to start a new <laughs> career at some point one way or the other. So like, as long as I've got this, I'm just going to keep kind of going with it. And for some guys that is, okay, I'll go to Korea or like, oh man, like I'm going to make a lot more money if I go over to Japan. I think it requires 
I think it requires sort of an, an adventurous spirit to be willing mm-hmm. to play overseas just because uh, it's such a different experience. And like if you're if you're Eric Thames, you have you have two other guys. There, there's a there's always restrictions on how many American guys they can bring over. So there's one or two other guys on your whole team who speak English. Right. And you're just kind of and like, yeah, what if those guys suck? That's always my <laughs> thing. Like what, if, like, what if you get there and it's like, oh, here's the other guy who speaks English. By the way, he's a total jerk. And you're like, oh, or man, like really? he's like, just, yeah. Like, or you just have incompatible personalities. Yeah. Like, maybe you're both awesome, but you just don't fundamentally get along. And right. I guess you learn Japanese or Korean or something, yeah, right? Said, so in Bob's story, he says he, he learned Korean, but that everybody made fun of him because he sounded like a child. Because all he could say was like, <laughs> Eric hungry, Eric want meat. And, 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 <laughs> Um, had to sort of get by with that. It's a, it's a, I don't know. It's a fun thing. I, I hope the guy very early in the baseball season. I'm rooting for him to continue being awesome because, uh, it among other things, it sounds like he's a fairly interesting dude, which baseball doesn't have enough of. And it's the rare situation where a guy can sort of uh, emerge as a star without following the traditional course. And like he, he's already saying. Uh, he loves beer, which is just not something a lot of baseball players will publicly admit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. Like, good, good. Be like, yeah, beer's great. I'm playing in Milwaukee. It's this is a fun place to drink beer, and they have lots of beer. This makes it great. Why, you know, he's a thirty year old man. Why can't he enjoy beer? Great. Uh, right. I'm way like that. Just the fact that he would come out, and that's like really speaks to the state of baseball. Is that that someone could be like, yeah, I really like beer. And that's like a that's like an interesting, notable quirk among baseball players. Right. Well, and I feel like baseball does need more personality. It oh, yeah. needs and not to force it. If you're normally a quiet guy, don't think that, you know, you've got to transform your personality. But um, what didn't Bryce Harper say something a couple years ago about how he wants to make baseball fun again or baseball yeah. interesting again? Yeah, like he said it was it was uh, the beginning of last year. He got a hat, like it was. It looked like Trump's hat, and it said "Make Make Baseball Fun Again." And he was he was trying <laughs> to. And then what happened was that it looked like baseball sort of stopped being fun for Bryce Harper last year because teams stopped yeah. throwing strikes. And he, I think it drove him a little bit. Uh, like he he had a really bad year. Um, he and, did. And so he won. He had his heart was in the right place. And I think there were a lot of guys now. And and we had a. Uh, we had Sean Doolittle on the show talking about it uh, uh, about a month ago, and I don't know if it's a month ago. I, again, I have no concept of time, but two weeks ago, <laughs> some, at some point, we had Sean Doolittle, the A's, A's reliever, and he said the same thing. And I think there is a movement towards guys having a little bit more fun playing baseball, but uh, so much of the sports culture just sort of beats that down in every way. No, absolutely, but I mean... Times are changing, and if you, I feel like if you want to maintain your fan base, if you want to maintain your viewership and your audience, like, what is wrong with it being fun? It is a sport. These guys, like, at the end of the day, these guys are playing a sport for a living, and that's awesome. And people in attendance are there to have fun. So why shouldn't the players get to have fun and show their personalities off as well? It's for fun. 
Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports the For the Win podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com FTW. That's quickenloans.com FTW. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Uh, give me your next good thing. Or next bad thing. Next thing. Um... No, this is, so it's a hypothetical awesome thing. Um, I like that. Yeah, last weekend, um, Swimming's international governing body proposed um, some changes. Is that FINA? It is FINA. Yeah, I know that. Um, They proposed some changes to the uh, Olympic lineup for 2020. And um, a couple of them are out of necessity. There, there are some, some events that need to be added simply because it's particularly outdated to think that the women don't swim the mile because they're not capable of swimming the mile. That's Was preposterous. That yeah, that is a thing. Um, I, I actually, no yeah, it's outrageous. Um, Katie Ledecky would have another gold medal around her neck if they could swim it, but it's some very outdated theory from the six from the 1968 games that um women aren't capable of swimming the miles so they max out at the 800 they just so don't the, have the constitution no they don't despite the fact that they swim miles on miles every day in practice you're still not tough enough to do it um so they propose changes like that and those are totally necessary like the olympics it needs to update itself but um One of the other changes that they suggested were mixed relays, freestyle and medley relays, where you have two men and two women on a relay team. And I just, I think this is a phenomenal idea. And I I don't know what the odds are that the Olympic Committee is going to say yes to this. I feel like relatively low, since this is more for a fun entertaining aspect as opposed to a much needed equality (laughs) aspect um but where else in sports are you given the opportunity to have men and women compete with and against each other in the same event Uh, and i think this would be awesome bar league softball is like one other right right? but like other than that no there's not and funny enough nascar NASCAR, Um, right, right right but i just and, and I swam growing up for years, and for as much fun as some relays were always going to be fun, because it adds a team element to a very individual sport where you spend the majority of your time counting tiles on the bottom of the pool. Um, but well, relay, having... relay seems fun to me because of like the adrenaline that must come with like waiting to jump in for your teammate to get to the end. Right. It's everything. Exactly. Okay. You're bursting with adrenaline, but yet you better not leave before the other person touches the wall. I would um, do that. I feel like if I, I no one would ever put me on a swim relay team because I don't swim very fast. But if they did <laughs> for whatever reason, there is a 100 percent chance I would jump at them. 
Eh, we'll put you first. Okay, yeah. You don't have to worry about it then. Um, no, I just, I mean, swimming is already one of the most popular sports in the Olympics, and people love it, so I'm all in favor of adding more events regardless. I think it's cool. But, I think they could, I mean, they do, they do tennis in the Olympics, right? Yeah. I mean, why, why not mix doubles tennis? Like, that would be, that would be good. Yeah, like, that's, it's just, it's a different type of competition it requires a different type of strategy for it and it just and, and really like who doesn't love watching relays of all the swimming events you know there's plenty you could choose from if you're particular to one or the other but pretty much it's I feel like it's universal people like watching relays because they're exciting and you've got crazy rivalries between countries and I just think having two men and two women on a relay team would add such a different component to the swimming program at the Olympics. And I feel like people would love it. And I feel like the swimmers would love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm trying to think of other sports that where, where it might exist like mixed doubles, but right. I mean, you could do it with track relay too. Mm -hmm. Um, hockey, right? There's women's hockey in the Olympics. You can just make make mixed teams. That might be fun. That could uh, work. That's probably a little physical. Like that might be a little bit nuts. It might get a little bit. I don't. It know. might be. I I feel like hockey would. Hockey might be a tough one to cross, right? Um, I feel, but I'm thinking about it. I feel like having mixed hockey would be easier than mixed basketball. But there's like all sorts of like. There's all then it's gonna it's all gonna be very confusing with like socially was like then is it okay like is should a guy like crush a woman against the boards or is that not good like because if it's like in the spirit yeah. of the quality of the game you should but also you sh you shouldn't right there's I think it's different with contact sports right right um, I and. You can have all the equality you want, but at the end of the day, generally speaking, male athletes are going to be larger than, generally speaking, female yeah, athletes. Yeah, just based on like, body types. It's, right. Yeah. Um, so no, I feel like you'd have so, to keep it to the, the non-contact sports, right, like yeah, tennis, yeah. like <laughs> swimming. I might be, I'm pushing it too far with hockey. That was, a, it's just... Um, <laughs> you like, had hockey on the brain. <laughs> That's where... Yeah, um, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, all right, I'm, I'm for it. I've, relay races seems like the way to go. Why not? Um, I'm not being. I'm. Do you love the, Do you love the Olympics? Are you a big Olympics fan? I do love the Olympics. Uh, I always have. I'm always down on the Olympics. I like. What? Um, I just don't. I just don't find. I'm not very patriotic. Is one thing, and so like I'm always rooting for other countries mostly. <laughs> um, like I always root for whatever the least likely country seems like is gonna win. And I just, I find that uh, they just, one person runs faster than the rest of the people. Like, that's not, it's not, I would rather watch the sport aspects of it. There are some ones I like, like, I like the weird things that you never see outside of the Olympics. Like, I like luge, um, and I like... Skeleton. Yeah, those guys those going things. down head first right. like, are crazy. crazy. That's crazy. Um, I like ski jumping. I think that one's cool. I feel like... They should get the judged aspect of it out and just have people see how far they can go. Um, I don't understand why it needs to be judged. But, I agree. Um, but, but Are you a Winter Olympics fan over Summer Olympics? I, I guess That's so. what it, it sounds, sounds like. like. It sounds like that. Um, That's a very but, unique perspective. I, I feel like so. most people – I have a – 
I like both, but I ever I because of swimming, I slightly favor the Summer Olympics. Um, like I think it's cool that that like Katie Ledecky and Michael Phelps are like completely dominant <clears throat> athletes in their sports. Like that's that's fun. It's I like dominant athletes in general, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel I guess maybe it's just that baseball is also happening when the Summer Olympics are happening, and so it's always going to get my most of my attention. And Aren't they talking about adding softball and baseball they will, to 2020? Somebody, they used to play baseball in the Olympics, and right. I believe they're bringing it back. Is the plan. yeah? Um, and how do you feel about that? I mean, I'll, I'll check it out if there's not Major League Baseball on, but they're probably not going to be Major League players. So it's like, why am I going to watch inferior baseball? Uh, except that I do like if it's so my so they have the World Baseball Classic, which sort of developed because they took baseball out of the Olympics. Um, but my beef with the World Baseball Classic is that most of the teams are just populated by American kids, and it's just like, here are the Italian-American guys, they're on Team Italy. Here are the Jewish guys, they're on Team Israel. Here are the, you know, um, whatever place, you know, outside of the places that actually produce baseball players, DR, uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. Colombia, Venezuela, uh, Korea, Japan, U.S., and, like, to some small extent, Taiwan it's like people from elsewhere who are going back to this country to play and i would i would be interested in the olympics if they made it uh if it was like if italy had a baseball team and it was actually italian guys what would that look like against a group of american college players who were the best i would be interested in that from like the thought experiment aspect of it mm-hmm. but i can't imagine it would be very good baseball I also would guess that they would run into the same problem that hockey is dealing with right now, that are you going to take a timeout from Major League Baseball to let your players go and play in the Olympics? Yeah, I think that there's a there's no chance that Major League Baseball lets its players. Like, I would think that maybe they would let minor leaguers go. I don't think there's any chance they would let Major League players go. Play. Yeah. Um, well, I heard someone make the suggestion – um, for hockey, that they should just move hockey to the Summer Olympics. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You could just sit there and throw baseball in the Winter Olympics. Yeah, I mean, they could just have domes, right? It'd like, be like spring play. training just yeah, abroad. I mean, well, so then even then, I don't think they'd want Major Leaguers to play because the World Baseball Classic is complicated enough, but that's something that Major League Baseball like owns and operates. Mm-hmm. Whereas if Major League Baseball is not seeing profit out of the Olympics, then I can't imagine teams are going to be so eager to let any pitcher go pitch because pitchers just get hurt all the time. Right. And you just don't want your guy, you want your guy at least getting hurt on behalf of your team. Or like well, and I get both, that's why I got both sides to this argument. Like, I understand that players would absolutely want to go represent their country. Like, what if you're, you know, hockey player from Russia and want to go try and win a gold medal like you're an actual contender? And want to try and do that. I get that side, but I also get the other side that you're you're being paid millions of dollars to play in this league, and if you get hurt not playing in this league, that that essentially lessens our product if you can't play. Right, right. It's a it's and and so I think that they would probably be cool with if if there were some way to get around the pitching aspect of it, but mm-hmm. because there's no way you're going to have a competition like the Olympics where guys are not throwing as hard as they can and doing and competing because they're all competitors, then you're just always going to risk. Like, we, we've we already seen there were, like, a small rash of injuries to guys who pitched in the World Baseball Classic because they were dialing it up too quickly in during spring training. So, I, I don't know. I, I will be interested to see what happens with that. 
I my guess would be that it's either the best college players or they let like select minor leaguers go play, but not major leaguers by any stretch. Yeah, that just seems like it would be complicated and so I, I don't know. I guess they'll cross that bridge when they get there in 2020. All right, I'm going to go with my, my last good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's a terrifying thing. I don't know why I said it's good, but <laughs> we have it on, the, on For the Win. Uh, our man Luke wrote about it. Uh, the headline is, Terrifying nine-foot alligator sneaks onto family porch. He uses nope, the nope, word nope, sneak. Nope, nope, yeah, nope, nope, Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't really sneak onto the porch. It, it climbed right up there. Knocked down a screen door and just sort of set up on the. I don't know that it was like there was anything stealthy about it. I think the alligator was just like, <laughs> I want to take this porch and now I'm going to. And I. So, like, I. Uh, alligators are extremely impressive to me because they've been around for 37 million years and they're basically dinosaurs. And I always kind of wonder, like, I don't know. I, I, I wonder, like, what. Well, well, it feels like humans, we just kind of assume animals are dumb and that, like, they can't think and that they're only, like, only ever focused on food. But alligators have survived for 37 million years. Like, they've got to be doing something right. Is that the actual figure? Yeah, it's Is that, like that give or take? Yeah. What that? Um, okay. It's, that, Learn new things every day. That's what Wikipedia said. I looked it up right before the show. Well, um, if it's on the internet. And I think humans are, like, three million years. There's, there's like nothing. It's been nothing compared to No. Like, yeah, humans are tiny. Like um, let's see. Homo sapiens. We the Wikipedia. I thought you were talking like hundreds of thousands for Homo sapiens. Oh uh, no, I think that I think that it's longer than that. Um I mean you know, this is we're talking in like world time, but you might uh yeah, the Oh, or what yeah. about Lu- Lucy? Lucy was the first. Oh, no. uh, Homo sapiens uh, out of Homo erectus, one point eight to zero point two million years. You're, so you're right. So oh, probably okay. More like a, a, a million years ago, uh, somewhere around there, My, or five hundred thousand years ago. There's a lot of different essence. No one really knows this stuff. Is part of the other problem. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel like if alligators have been around that long, they're doing something right. And I always kind of wonder, like, what if alligators are super smart and like. What if one alligator figured out how to farm? Then what would happen? Would we <laughs> all be doomed? Because it feels like they are particularly well suited to fight us because they're like so low to the ground. Like I don't know. They're just no, that's true. They're know. they they've got some definite advantages. Like being... if alligators were just like, hey guys, it's time for phase two. Um, like they could communicate. <laughs> like we don't know. Maybe they can communicate. How would we know? And, oh, absolutely. I yeah. definitely believe that animals can communicate. Why wouldn't they be well, able to? Well, a lot of so like that's that's a big thing is like people every time they do a study, now that we have better technology and we can track things, they're like, "Oh, hey, these bats that we thought were randomly just chirping, it turns out they have like a fairly complex language to say like get out of my way and like hey, I'm a bat and there are flies over here or whatever the different <laughs> things that bats need to say. They can say with their like what with what we just assumed forever we're like nonsensical bat noises right well i think they're pretty close to translating the language dolphins speak yeah and like like that's like we're animals and we have a developed communication system like just because it's an alligator who says they can't talk to each other and and that's where i'm at and like i get okay so it's a reptile 
not a lot of evidence of that. But we don't know. We don't know, right? Like, I know right. octopi are super smart. Why can't an alligator be super smart? What happens if this is just the first of alligators being like, yeah, we're going to, you know what, porches are nice. Uh, let's let's start setting up camp on, on porches. And then I think ultimately a lot of us, I don't think, I think that humanity would take the alligators, but I think that it would be a fairly damaging war. I think if that's your theory, I'm probably going to stay out of Florida for the rest of my yeah, life. Definitely stay out of Florida. Yeah, I mean, not going they, back anytime soon. Maybe they're benevolent. Maybe alligators don't want to mess with us, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm just always I, for some reason, alligators fascinate me. Probably because they look at that thing. Like, well, how is that even a right. thing? Um, there. How is that thing? It's a dinosaur. It looks like a dinosaur. It's been around since there were dinosaurs. That's nuts. And like so, like all respect to the alligators for pulling that one off. We we should be so lucky for the human race to last that long. And I just want to, like, maybe 37 million, million years in, it's time for the alligators to make their move. So I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. Is this like a Planet of the Apes type thing that, like, they're going to rise up and... Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know how it goes. Or human, humans, like, kill each other off and then the alligators sort of just sort of step in. I mean, alligators are terrifying looking. If one came up to me and was like started giving orders yeah i'm absolutely gonna listen like you said look at that thing the thing is we have like guns and stuff and we have like you know like we have we have True. created tools to, with which we can defeat the alligators i'm just saying not all of us have them and like if an alligator showed up in my backyard i wouldn't i had no that's just then i just don't have a backyard anymore well right so what would what would you do if like this See is your backyard. porch and an alligator shows up on the porch and is like mine now you see the porch you just that's that's the alligator's porch or you call someone who knows how to deal with an alligator which if you live in florida you probably know five guys like that that's probably <laughs> right? true. Like, oh, old gator <laughs> jim will come over and wrestle that gator he's been looking for one uh that takes a special person to decide that they want to wrestle an alligator we had an alligator this is unrelated i just feel like mentioning this whenever alligators come up because this is probably the source of my fascination there was an alligator in the basement of my middle school. Oh, God. True story. It was, and I went to middle school in Long Island. We had like this, there's one sort of, I, one science teacher that must have had some administrator's ear or something because he convinced them to let him make like a petting zoo in our middle school. And so like it started out as like in the courtyard of the middle school, there was like a goat and a couple of chickens. And then it sort of just kept expanding and it expanded in the basement and there were like some rabbits and chinchillas and these like terrifying cockroaches down there um like they were caged up so like they weren't they were too distinct from the actual cockroaches that the school also had and then he got an alligator and he got like a little baby alligator and it was like that's cool and then it just grew and grew and grew and grew and then eventually uh. it was way too big for its little enclosure and they couldn't figure out how to get the alligator out and so there was just this giant alligator in the basement of the middle school and like finally like i think like seven years ago they had to get some sort of like alligator rescue team from Florida to come <laughs> up and cart, like stun the alligator and take it out of the basement of my middle school. Oh my gosh. What, where did you go to school? Long, public, public school on Long Island. I don't know why this happened. How uh, do you like, make the jump from goats and chickens to an alligator? But it was like a great, it was a great teacher, like, fear thing. It was always just like, hey, you know what? Like, you want to keep acting like that? 
sitting right downstairs with the alligator. And everybody's like, all right, yeah, you're right, never mind. Jeez, that yeah. is, true that story, sounds one crazy and dangerous yeah. and I don't know. It was weird, Ugh. it was a weird thing, it was a weird thing, there was an alligator, it was true. Uh, one of my friends after football practice let the goats out one day and they <laughs> ate an entire art project and the poor janitors had to like wrangle up the goats and leave them back into the into the uh, petting zoo. Uh, that sounds strange. like goats. Uh, all right, give me, so it's it's time for our last good thing. Give me your last good or bad, last thing that has happened that you want to talk about. Well, so I'm actually sorry then that I'm ending on a negative note. Um, but the, the Star Wars movie trailer came out. It's not coming out until December, but of course, uh, people freaked out over the fact that the trailer was released last week and I'm a big Star Wars fan. I am a fan of the original series. Um, we're talking seventies and eighties series, not when they almost let a character like Jar Jar Binks destroy an entire franchise. Not a fan of that. Um, but, and actually, you know, our, our colleague Charles wrote a, uh, a story about all the things that we learned from the Star Wars trailer. Um, but I am here to say we didn't learn anything yeah, from the Star Wars trailer. Yeah, we learned trailer. it's going to be a Star Wars movie. Right, like that's 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 all I took. I don't know. I, I right, like you didn't learn something beyond what their unfilled out Wikipedia page says. Right, so they're making think, another Star Wars movie. Where were you on the episode seven? Because that was one where everybody was like, "Oh my God, it's back! Finally, this beloved franchise is back!" And I thought it was okay. Um. I would agree. I thought it was okay. I I would maybe go as far to say it was pretty good, but not the best. But I will also fully admit that part of the reason why I did like it so much was because Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher were in it. Right. And and I I love that and may have shed a tear when Han Solo died. Um, Spoiler alert. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. It's been years. Yeah, the movie came out over a year ago, right? So um, you're good. But, so, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where this goes. I will almost definitely still go see it in theaters. But where you have some movies will sit there and they'll give you way too much of the plot in the trailer. And it's like, well, why would I go pay $12 to go see that I movie? Just heard when all of the good jokes. Yeah. Right. Exa- exactly. You just heard all of the jokes. There are no more surprises. Why would I go see that? I feel like this was the total opposite of the spectrum where basically they, they, they showed you a, a couple quick shots of characters you probably guessed were going to be in the movie and that was that and again big shocker that there's going to be some battle in a series that has war in the title like right right you you don't really tell me anything oh who saw that coming a space battle in star wars yeah right Um, well that was funny what people said about um about episode seven i feel like they were like so surprised that it was very war focused and 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 violent and all that That's and I'm, all the movies were like are you kidding yeah. there it's star wars yeah right it's <laughs> what a... did you think it was going to be about yeah. 
Um, I thought so. I thought that Rogue One was awesome. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. That was the only one outside of the original trio I think that I liked. And I will say that I found Kylo Ren so ridiculous that I don't know that I can take him seriously as a bad guy. Like I get that he's supposed to be kind of emo, but it was way too emo for me. And like the hair was just so silly that I was like, this guy's not scary. He's ridiculous looking. Yeah, that's I, that's valid. All right. Um, you gotta make it if you're not if you don't have the advantage of sort of a classic look like the original three, um, where I think you could say that a lot of things aren't believable in that, but it doesn't matter because it does have sort of this epic aura around it. Um, yeah, it does have to be believable it, it, when we're talking about millions of years ago yeah, battles and right exactly right. i was trying not to say it yeah. but i'm trying to think of all the synonyms for how you could avoid saying in a galaxy far far away <laughs> um yeah i, I mean yeah i i, I will that the, the thing is like they've got i feel like first of all there's just like hundreds of people who are going to be waiting online to see that at 1201 a.m on the first day it's out so they don't have to put a ton in the trailer, right? Like it's a Star Wars movie. It's like the most bankable thing, for, at least for opening weekend. So it's like, why would we give too much away in the trailer when we know everybody's going to show up and see it like a sucker anyway? And I'm probably going to show up and see it like a sucker anyway. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I before they even released the trailer last week, it was already trending online that right. people it's were like, sitting there waiting in anticipation and... You're absolutely right. There's, It's like a James Cameron movie. There are going to be some people who are going to see it, whether or not they want to see it, but it's sort of, we don't have to tell you anything about it other than it's new and it's epic and you'll love it. And there will be maybe the two of us included who will go see it, regardless of what it what the trailer looks like. like. I was just yeah. disappointed. It's like the NFL of movie franchises, right? It's like you can't really <laughs> avoid it and there's not going to be anything else to talk about. So you're probably going to have to check it out. Uh, Ray, uh, go on. No, I just I was going to say it doesn't even have to be that good, but you're still going to all go see it and talk about it anyway. So we can make it awesome or mail it in, and you're going to sit there and still talk about it and give us money anyway. Michelle, this was fun. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. You can check out the walk-off. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's the oh, that's the baseball podcast. You can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes. You can check it out on Spot on SoundCloud on Stitcher. Uh, Michelle, where can people find your stuff? Um, most of my stuff is going to be under uh, racing on For the Win. Spending most of my time covering NASCAR and other motorsports. And you were on Twitter. Yes, uh, uh, my handle is. M Martinelli four because somehow someone else already has my Twitter handle without the number after it. Uh, that is a shame. That is a shame. But it's easy enough. <laughs> four is easy enough to remember. I hate those three other M Martinellis. Uh, I know they're the worst. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for doing this and have a good day. You too.